0: Welcome to a seat at the table where there is real talk on real situations from real people. This is your girl Jaquel Jones and I'm also your host. Let's get into it, y'all. Hello, 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 and welcome to a seat at the table. Welcome back to the table, Calandra Coleman and D Riddick. Y'all say hello to the good people out there. What up? Hello, hello. how y'all doing? I tell you it is an interesting day in the neighborhood. And when I say the neighborhood, I mean this country that we are talking about. And today we're going to focus on news media and murder. How about that for a tagline? Interesting. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> <And murder>. mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what we're dealing with, right? Yeah, that's what it
1: is. Sound like a game. When black people are getting <laughs> murdered. <laughs> yes.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> news media murder. <laughs> <laughs> And as much as we, you know, it's, it's one thing to come on and try to bring some light to this situation, There, there's no light at all. We are living in a dark place when it comes down to the regard, um, just basic human regard to our people. And to be, to put it on a focus, it ain't even just Black men, it's it's all of us, honey, you as your kids, you as your wives. We got 13 girls, 13 women just standing in their own house like it's it's happening so I want to go ahead and get right into it um recently we all know the story of Dewan Wright and um being mistakenly shot accidentally that's the word they use it was accident clearly it was an accident um let's talk about it accident no accident what Uh, I'm gonna say allegedly an accident uh (laughs)
2: because when you when you're looking at the um, news media and all of the outlets, um, you hear that the taser is on your non-dominant side. So if you know you didn't pull from your non-dominant side, then how is it an accident when you're hollering taser, 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 and you're holding the alleged taser in your hand? Follow what it is you? you're holding that is gun in your hand. Correct. For at least 10 seconds, you know that this is not a taser. You you are a 26-year veteran. You know the difference between a taser and a gun. I am new to guns, and I know the difference between me holding my gun and my taser. It's just very frustrating. It's frustrating. It's disheartening. Sometimes I can't even put it into words. Like, it's so frustrating,
1: I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, completely. And, you know, I'm sitting here right now while we're doing this, and I'm looking out the bay window in my house because my 18 year old son is out driving. And every time he leaves, you know, I say, you know, the rules. And it's not rules of driving, it's rules of surviving. That's. That's crazy. And you know, just the thought that even though he's not doing anything wrong, he doesn't plan on doing anything wrong, whether he makes a driving mistake or not, just the thought that he can be pulled and subjugated to anything by an officer who is on a power trip. You know, it's 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 a scary thing. And you guys know before i said I feel like every person of color in America, every black person in America, every descendant of a slave in America or every black immigrant into America um, should be qualified for PTSD. Mm. And, you know, I'm just at the point <clears throat> you know, I told y'all I was trying to stay off of Facebook, trying to not get into these debates, <laughs> but they just keep pulling me in. They just keep pulling me back. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's at the point For me, why I'm just looking at people like, what the hell are you seeing? You know, it's it's almost as if what is in front of them, they are so afraid to accept and so afraid to see because it means that you have to admit that everything that you've learned about your life, your history, your particular culture, has all been a lie. Mm, interesting. And that's where I have been with people. I've made some comments today on social media with some people. <clears throat> and I'm at the point where I'm not even trying to rationalize or explain or teach. I'm at the point where I'm going to give you these facts and let you decide what you want with them. Because I'm at the point, too, where my commentary is we shouldn't have to keep explaining this. We've been going through, you know, we've been in this country for over 500 years. People don't even know that the first slaves came to uh, the South, uh, down in the Mississippi Delta area, the 1500s. So we've been going through this for 500 years trying to explain this. Why should I have to explain my victimization to you? Correct. You don't ask a woman who's been raped to explain her victimization. You don't ask someone who's been robbed to explain their victimization. So that's why I have the dollar sign behind me. Because if you want to be racist, fantastic, be racist. You want to be bigoted, be bigoted. But you're going to pay for it. Because I think civil suit. I'm going to sue you for your racism. Be a happy racist, but you better be rich because I'm going to sue you. Hmm. I don't want to explain. I don't want no apology no more. Go ahead and pay
0: So I actually had this topic a little further down the line, but I feel like we should talk about it right now being that you just said it. Conviction versus monetary settlements. In the research, in just looking at the amount of deaths that our culture has had, and you very little see where there has been time served or real convictions. And I say real, I mean not manslaughter, not a slap on the wrist, where you got the, the sentencing or the conviction that your crime was worth versus, oh, the city paid the family off. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and even in that, it's to the point where like, what, what do we get? What does it do? Is it enough? So
2: when I think about monetary versus conviction, I feel like you give me the monetary because you know, I actually need this money. And you possibly know that you are actually guilty. Even though um, the pattern, we go through the the process of going to court and going through trials and everything. And it's not favorable for black and brown people. It's again, frustrating. To say the least, um, I think you know that you're guilty, and and with that, like even with the George Floyd situation, y'all settled with him, and y'all know that
0: man was wrong. Right is right, and wrong is wrong. Paying me off, yes. Right, right and wrong, wrong in our society. I feel like we we have they've negated and like created their own system. But I don't believe in the right and right is wrong is wrong. I don't think it applies to black people. To us. We are the victims to, to white raci- to racism, white supremacy. I don't think A privilege don't think All of that it. type of fairness that is regulated um, judicially when it comes down to black people being the victims of crimes.
2: I agree with now, you, well,
0: sis. Now, when we are considered the suspect or criminal, oh, you can throw us under the jail and forget we're baby.
3: Mm-hmm. Agree, you're man. absolutely correct
0: yeah. and I do I do agree with, <laughs> welcome with Tisha. Tisha. I forgot to welcome you in welcome welcome uh-huh. Tisha she is at the table and Tisha has a, um, a actual um, an invested place at the table today because she's sat on both sides of the spectrum she has um, a lot of it so over 20 years of experience in law enforcement um, and seeing it from that perspective as well and so, Tisha, I think we definitely want to hear what you got to say on today.
3: <laughs> well, I, I agree with CC on this point. Um, when you're talking about monetary and conviction, from my opinion, I believe it should be both. Right, because I should, I I believe that you should be compensated one for everything that you're going through, because whatever it is, whether it's a death, a maiming, whatever, your family is family's going through. Um, now the conviction, I do believe that we, when it's people of color, I believe that it takes too long. I agree. I believe that we, it's drawn out because it's a. Let's try to say it's this, or let's try to say it's this, or let's try to say it. We're gonna we're gonna exhaust it. Mm -hmm. But when when the tables are turned, then it's oh, guilty. Absolutely. You know they did it, and I believe that for people that are saying that it's there is no racism, there is no. Um, You know, when when all this stuff came out, and I'm going to go back, when this stuff came out with Chief Chapman and the systematic racism and everything, that hurt me to my heart because when I heard the first people say that there is not that in the city, they were Black people. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) "Even even if it hasn't happened to you, how can you say you haven't seen it? you know you tell me you haven't seen it. Now you can tell me it's not happened to you because it may that may be the case because, like you said, Jaqua, I've been in I've been in law enforcement for over twenty four years. So I was a baby when I came in. i was I was literally the youngest person on the department when I started. and they called me the baby for the first two years. Mm -hmm. and I was green everybody was nice there was no separation there was no anything oh honey after I would say you know how they say in your marriage that four-year itch that five-year itch no it was the two-year itch Mm -hmm. after law enforcement it was the blinders off the realness comes out Because my problem with law enforcement is, and don't get me wrong, I support law enforcement, the good part of it, but everybody is not meant to be in law enforcement. I agree. And I feel that the problem is not just in one city, but all city, I feel like we've gotten so desperate. Because we're trying to hire. We're so short staff. Let's hire anybody. Any, not
2: everybody, everybody. That's a problem.
3: That is a problem. I've worked beside people. Now, you know, on my, my personal journey, I have battled and I have spoken on mental health. Been through it myself. So I can see it. And when you see people you work with that you know going through and nobody's acknowledging it, it's a problem, because okay. if you manage these people, you should see this. If you can't see it, you don't need to be managing anybody. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this is not stuff that you have to take a test to see it, or you know how in your all of you in your personal family, you know how if you have a, a niece or a nephew and you know something's wrong, You don't have to be a doctor to tell something is wrong. It doesn't mean you know what's wrong. You just know that there's a problem. So I feel like the issue is in all of these departments, people are going, you know what? They're doing their job. They're doing their job. So I'm not going to say nothing. I'm not going to rock the boat. I'm not going to put them on leave. I'm not going to fire them. And believe me, right now, I know that everybody needs a job, but you are putting other people at risk when you just allow people to keep a job because you need the body. And that's what we are right now.
0: You know, I'm I'm an advocate for if you do not like your job, quit. Now, I understand that everybody, you know, has to have income or For the most of us with good common sense, we know that we need an income to be successful or just, you know, to survive in a sense. However, on all levels, and I mean everything from the drive through of Chick-fil-A all the way up until the president of the United States. Amen. If this is not something that you are vested in, meaning something that you can find value in and why you're doing it to make a real difference, then you should not be here. When I came into education, I started as a, a clerk in the main office. And it takes me back to a quote by Dr. King. If you was a, a street sweeper, be the you, best. Know not, you, you know what I'm saying? So you can be. be the best at it. Because this, it, this doesn't have to be your in all be all. And this is a message best, definitely to my Kings because it's hard for y'all. I Trust me, it's hard for all of us. But it does not have to stop at where you're at. You get what I'm saying? And so that's a part of how we change the mindset and the culture. But my thing is, a lot of these people, and I, and I linked it to education because I feel like it's the same way with teachers. You need them so bad, you're just going to hire the first one out of the school. You don't care about their investment in education. You don't care about what they feel about the kids, what they feel about school climate and culture. You just bring them on in and, and stick them with content and expect them to be great. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to get
2: the results that you want in you any not. of those situations because they're not mm-hmm. trained properly. They, like you said, their heart's not there. They're there to get that paycheck. And
0: that's, that's
2: you're there office. to get a paycheck...
1: Right. And that's, you know, two good points. The the training aspect. And it seems like it's a dichotomy with teachers and police officers, but the training aspect is very similar because like you said, CC, you get these teachers, they don't get the proper training, they don't get enough time with training, and then they're thrown right into a classroom.
0: A third place. Police
1: officers in the United States,
0: they the pay. amount of
1: time that you get for training is the, the least amount of time in probably the entire world.
0: And I don't understand that when you hold people's lives in your hands, for mm-hmm. teachers... And in law enforcement, mm-hmm. we are here mm-hmm. to educate and build the future. And you mm-hmm. guys are there to protect and serve to make sure we can get them there. But well, well, how does that work when, one, you will pay $3 million in a lawsuit for them killing one of these kids, but you won't put the money into the training to make that sure that's the difference that. between a freaking taser and a gun. And she's going again to you, sis, because 26 years, babe, you know the difference. And for you to stand there with that gun in your hand, when you stood there yelling, Taser, Taser, you can't feel baby. You shouldn't be in law enforcement if, I- and, and if you, I- you move
2: your um co-worker
0: yeah. out of the way.
2: But
3: let me say that, let me say this, this to, and like you said, Jaquel, I've seen both sides and I know both sides. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna come from you. You know, I'm your devil's advocate. Come on so let me let me come from you come to you from mental health and law enforcement one and I'm not giving her an excuse let me start by saying this we don't know what her day was like how many times have you throughout your day been like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this you do something and you know you're doing that but that's not what you're doing if you're having an off day, there's, and I said this to one of my supervisors when I was in the department. I said to him, I said, you know what? We should just have a mental health day where if I call you and I say, I'm not feeling it today, I don't have to get a doctor's note, I don't have to get a what's wrong. It could be I'm not there. She could have not been there that day. And you know what she should have been? She needed to be home. But she to say that. Right. <laughs> So Enough. now, that's no excuse for you. And see, this is what this is the problem that we're getting to. After the fact, we're throwing all these excuses for people. Oh well, maybe she she didn't know the difference. Maybe she had a bad day. Uh uh-uh. uh, her excuse for having a bad day should have been before she got on the street. That part now because is not I'm the good. time to be saying I had a bad day that day. That's now, is not, not the time to be saying. I forgot which one or I made a mistake. Because I tell you what, if I walk down of here right now and I accidentally shot somebody and I said, mm, it was a mistake, I'm going to jail. You will have a
2: consequence
0: I'm for jail. That. You understand no me? You're to jail. Going <laughs> to jail. I don't care how many t- will t- have me arraigned tomorrow. And tomorrow there's, You understand me? No oops mm-hmm. after somebody's life is gone. That, that, that's what I'm saying. Like
2: like you can have a bad day you can have all of that but i think our problem is the reason why we're out in the streets protesting and, and tearing stuff up is because we're not telling you not to do whatever to protect yourself because obviously they're afraid we're afraid too but treat us
0: if you're but if were you afraid, afraid of in that moment what was she afraid of you had the, the, the situation. Now, mind you, I have never been in law enforcement. Let's put that out there. However, and I thank God for the body cams. What exactly were you afraid of? And if you take it, you know, all the way to it, he wasn't even driving the car at the moment. So he wasn't charging you with his bodily force he wasn't charging you with the vehicular force he wasn't doing anything in that moment itself for trying to get away which is illegal at the time because if I'm not mistaken I think it was said that he had a warrant but even with that what type of force was he bringing towards you that you would have to negate the two officers that you have with you and to auto- automatically pull for a taser you're well, right I
1: right. with you because now I, I, I haven't worked in law enforcement. I have some family who's worked, you know, local law enforcement even up to federal law enforcement. My career has my career started in Portsmouth at the Pines Residential Treatment Center mm-hmm. and that was in 96. Mm-hmm. So the protocols <laughs> were a whole lot different back in 96. Very much so You know, it was completely different and I think, due to my mother being a teacher, due to the way that my father was with, you know, my friends and my family members, because, you know, I grew up right in between Washington Park and Southside Gardens, so okay, I was not I'll immune. All Don't let me. Uh,
0: we represent this. Go ahead. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: you know, SSG, but <laughs> I was not immune to any yeah. of the things that went on in those communities in those two different housing projects. Mm-hmm. But I think the way that I saw my mother, and my father negotiate and navigate how they trained me and my brother and my sister raised us into and how they accepted my friends and dealt with my friends who were in the streets. And I got some friends who were in the streets, S-K-R-E-E-T-S. So when I got to the pines, I knew that some of the things I saw were not right. I knew that some of the things I saw were too extreme. Now, there were times when you had, we had maybe an individual who you had to talk to or deal with in a different manner at some point, but it wasn't something that was consistently done across the board. Mm-hmm. And when you did, when I, when it occurred, if I was charge staff, I made sure that we understood, we went back to this kid and talked to this kid and developed an understanding with this student, this kid of what just happened. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes the training is, and, and I'm speaking from an outside view, but it appears that the training is that um, you're going to be in control of this situation the way that we tell you to be in control of the situation. And as an officer, if anything looks like it's outside of that particular control, then it's out of control. If I talk back, it's out of control. If a person looks at you a certain way, that's out of your control, and it, appears that these particular officers are afraid that their control once that small loss of control happens then everything is completely over now i've got to go to the extreme amount of control to get back that control Mm -hmm. and you know
3: but let me say this on training now i can say because i've i've been in training with some of them
2: Mm -hmm. that
3: I can honestly say that the way the way our training was, the way officer, and I'll speak for what I know that the officers go through, because mm-hmm. civilians go through different than they do. But the training that they receive is across the board the same. But let me tell you what's the difference. All four of us are up here. But if I were to put a class on right now, every last one of y'all are going to take it a different way because of your personality. Like I said, I've worked there 20, I was there 23 years. I've seen almost every personality. So I've seen when I first got there, the, the guys who were senior about to retire when I was about to leave training those that are coming in and the training has changed. So these younger ones are coming in going through training right now, but when they're released from their training, they go to the training officer who has been trained like 10, 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I don't care what you learned here. Once I get you as a senior officer on the street, you're gonna do what I tell you to do. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What you learned In training, in the class, may be protocol, but when I get you as a senior
2: officer, that ain't the way I do it no more. You get what I'm saying? Almost like um, training day. Exactly. When you think about Mm -hmm. training day. Right, but it's almost like that.
3: And when you're coming in young and green and you got a senior officer saying, how you gonna do this? You wanna be accepted by who's already been here. You wanna be, because you're not worried about being accepted on the street. Right. These your brothers now. So you gotta follow who's who's writing your check, who's who's checking off your tests, so I, to say. I can understand that that's what I'm saying that's why some of this is is happening and people are running people are saying how are they trained how are they trained I just want you to understand they may have been trained correctly but when you're put out there with somebody it's like an
1: influence
0: mm-hmm. you get what I'm it's
1: saying all, yeah, it's almost like you, you have to do what you have to do to protect yourself because it's mm-hmm. a life and death situation all day.
0: Yeah, so, I just believe that we're beyond yeah, influence at yeah. this point. This this is a let me tell you something. I don't believe let's go to George Floyd. There wasn't an influence that said keep your, your knee on this man's neck okay. for this amount sound. There wasn't an influence. That was a that was in here. That was a cocky. That was that a that was him. in there and yeah. then the
2: backstanders if you didn't have enough courage to say something to him and tell him or oh, help no, push <laughs> him off because if you're on your knees you can push him off like if you're standing back you could see when the life was leaving that man like all it's, it's oh.
0: like our systems our, our, our systems as a
2: whole is lost huh
3: what was the um what was his name Tan the the, um, the guy the officer that was standing. You know who I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I know the face. I, I can't picture okay. him. This is what I'm talking about as far as influence. Like you just said, CC, he was standing there. If you looked at the tape, he kept looking back. So he was checking. All he you had to well do, No, all he had to do was say, "You need to get off him." But there was some kind of influence that he was afraid to say something. Right. There was some Mm -hmm. kind of influence that he would not buck him. He would not go against him. Because if there wasn't an influence, he would have said, yo, man, you wrong. Get off him. Because if you looked at the trial, they had a sergeant or lieutenant or somebody from the detective unit that said, no, that's not how we train. It was too excessive. If he was out there and he didn't say something, now he would definitely be wrong because you can't come in a courtroom afterwards and say that. So mm-hmm.
2: I don't think he was out there, but I think the um, the dispatch had called him right. because when she saw the video or whatever and she said she thought that it had, it had froze Yeah. because he was just you sitting what there? She said? And
3: she said, I don't know if I'm snitching. And that bothered me. Because my thing is if you saw something that bothered you, that ain't
2: snitching.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not. It's,
2: it's crazy. I was watching a movie earlier and it and it was kind of the same situation. I forgot the name of the movie, but Terrence Howard and his wife were in, in a um vehicle and she was giving him or whatever, right? So the cops pulled cool crash. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about. And that young officer, he felt something was wrong. He didn't say anything to the dude that was pretty much training him, but he went to the superior. The superior tells him, well, I was the one that brought him through. So that would mean that I was the one. that." So he basically was telling him, no, you can't say anything because that's going to come back on me that I didn't catch this. But something has to give because we cannot keep, having these whatever your cause and innocent black and brown people dying and nothing is said or they don't have any consequences. And my thing is, and I think it's all of us saying, I'm not saying that you're not supposed to give me consequences as a black woman, but if this white woman over here does the same thing that I do, give her the same consequences too. You can't say we're equal under the law if we're not equal under the law. And you can't keep pushing people and pushing people and think they're not going to do anything. They're going to get fed up. Yeah. So don't think... Mm. It don't matter. We do That's matter. It. At the end of the day, we we are loved by somebody. <laughs> we are somebody's brothers, sisters, um, parents, loved one. We matter. And y'all can't just keep killing us for no reason. And then you... Like you said, we're making up excuses. Well, he was having a bad day. If I'm having a bad day and I go out and shoot you, you're gonna put me in the jail. Yeah. If that I blue... had a traumatic childhood experience and right. I go out and kill somebody, you're going to put me under the jail. So if you're not if you're going to put me under the jail, put little um Jake under the jail suit. Right. <laughs> That's all we're that, saying. We want it
1: equal. That blue wall Think of silence. Of <laughs> right. And it's and it's crazy, you know. I think the the best um, response to how do you deal with these type of police officers um, I heard came from Dick Gregory, and you know Dick Gregory started as a comedian, but Dick Gregory was banned in Black because Dick Gregory became a hardcore activist for mm-hmm. black people, and he said, you know, um, policing is a hard job. We we know that it's not a job that I would want to do. Uh, You know, anybody who's a police officer, I can understand, you know, them saying, I'm coming home to my family. That's first and foremost. I get it. I get it. But Dick Gregory's thing was, because the job is so hard, give the police officers all the incentives that you can. Give them housing vouchers. Give them uh, more pay, better insurance, better retirement give them an opportunity to allow their kids to go to school. Um, Give them everything that you can. Give them more training, have them licensed, give them all of that to entice them to come to this profession, to take care of them while they're in this profession. Because what's going to happen, those who don't need to be cops will end up hating black and brown people more than they love their family because if you're willing to give up all of that for your family then you don't deserve to be a cop at all and thus that's to me it's almost like you know um uh drawing in it's it's the opposite of a hunt it's a hunt in a sense because i'm gonna draw in every cop but i'm gonna catch the bad ones this way Mm-hmm. And if you get your license, just like teaching in education, we know if, if your license is suspended or you violate something um, in regards to your licensure as a teacher, I can't. you can't leave Portsmouth and go get a job in Chesapeake as a teacher. And that's another big part of the problem, is that if you do something that's wrong, then there's no way for you to stop doing that wrong because you continue to go. If anybody's going to hire a police officer, and not just a police officer, anybody. I don't care if it's a cashier food line. If you're going to hire someone who's a violated codes of ethics, then you're just as bad as the person who violated the codes of ethics. And those departments need to be held accountable. You know, I try not to get on Facebook and get into it with people today, but I had to respond. I told you, they keep pulling me in. But someone made a post about uh, you know, it's, it's horrible when good cops feel like they need to quit their jobs. I said, you're absolutely right, it is. So instead of saying that you don't want the Fraternal Order of Police to be transparent, I said, the, I did the opposite. What are you doing to protect the good cops and speak up for the good cops? Ask for more pay for good cops. You know, ask for community policing so that the people will know who the good cops are. Ask the FOP, the Fraternal Order of Police, to be more transparent with what they do. Let people see that. As for a Citizens Review Board, so you can protect the good cops. And I think that's part of the issue when we're talking. And I'm gonna just be, you know, me. I, I'm just shoot straight when we're talking about this issue with black and brown people versus white people. Now, statistically, white people are um, uh, probably, you know, in situations with police officers more than black. That's only because y'all are more in the population. The problem is the frequency that Black people have negative encounters with the police. It's way more than the negative encounters that white people have, and they don't understand that. Now, you telling me all you have to do is comply. People do that. There was a young man who was a lawyer um, in law school. His father's a lawyer, a young Black guy. He's driving home. He's got a U-Haul truck. The police officer took it under his discretion to decide that he thought this man was drunk by the way he was driving. Man gets out of the U-Haul truck. The officer questions him. Why are you so nervous? He said, well, because I'm standing here with a cop and I don't know why. You pulled me over and I don't understand why. Well, now I think something is going on. He takes this man. This man calls his father on the phone. Oh, you need to call your daddy? This is a grown man you're talking to. His father is a lawyer. This man is in law school. He handcuffs him, searches him, puts him in the back of the car. They search his U-Haul truck for two and a half hours and find absolutely nothing. So they don't understand that even if I comply, you know, I'm still um, under this scrutiny that no matter what I do, even if I'm just driving, like I said, my son is driving right now. I continue to look out this window. He may not... He may go run a stop sign. He may stop and look both ways and take five seconds to go before he leaves that stop sign. But they don't understand that the intense pressure that you are under just because you see a cop. I see police cars right now. I ain't never been in trouble in my life. Never had a felony. I had one parking ticket my whole life. Just one. (laughs) When I see a police car, I automatically tense up. I automatically get this feeling that, damn, I could be next. And people don't understand that, you know. And if I'm feeling that way, there's a reason and rationale behind that. And you can't keep pushing that under the rug. So I I just think, you know, when I say pay, pay me for your racism, I think collectively, if Black people decide that we're going to file these civil suits, hell, they got O.J. O.J. was innocent and they went back and did that civil suit and O.J. paid. I think collectively, if we do that, then the courts are going to be tired of, the courts are going to get tired of it. Somebody's going to get a huge settlement because hopefully some judge or jury somewhere is going to say, this is enough. And that's going to be it because a lot of this racism is tied to economics anyway.
3: It's um, ironic that you said that because even working in the department, Mm-hmm. It's weird because I get that way, mm-hmm. and I've gotten that way the whole time, even working there. And most of the time, if they pull me, I know who they are. Right. But people have a misconception. Oh, you know, you you work with them, so you' good to go. Not necessarily. Right. I mean, and I've never. That's something I've never even considered. You know, because. I have had situations, for instance, I was going, I had an interview, it was years ago, I had an interview going to Richmond and I was lost. And I know I look crazy and confused on the interstate and I was probably swerving, trying to look at my GPS or whatever. And I got pulled by a state trooper. I was not the least bit nervous. When he came up to the car, he said, you were swerving, are you okay? He was not disrespectful, he was not aggressive. He was like, are you okay? And I said to him, I said, I'm totally sorry. I said, but I'm not. I'm on my way to an interview and I'm lost. I told him where I was coming from, I had to get to Richmond. Their headquarters is in Richmond, which Mm -hmm. I didn't realize at the time. And he said, "Um, well, that's my route, follow me. And I followed him. He pointed out the window when I had to get off the exit. That was it. Even now, when I pass a state trooper, I don't get nervous. Mm -hmm. But when I pass a blue and white, a black and white, Mm -hmm. I tense up now, even now. And I have gotten pulled in the city, even before I left the department, figured out that I might have known who it was, and was still sitting there sweating mm-hmm. because there's no guarantee one being a civilian anybody that has ever worked in law enforcement knows you do not matter as a civilian that was one reason why i had to go but i had my car broken into um, and called the, on my way to work called the police the officer that showed up at my house I've seen him before, he's seen me. He was totally pro- professional, but but rude. Why am I here? Well, first of all, dispatch sent you, you know why you're here. Mm-hmm. I told him where the car was and I know what you're supposed to do as an officer because I work there. He did none of that. He looked at my car, nothing was broken. I told him nothing looked like it was taken. He started writing a report and was getting ready to leave. I said, well, aren't you going to print my car? Well, I can if you want me to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do. And this is why in the position I was in in the department, this is why I prayed that people, civilians, citizens would call and get me. Because when I heard their problem, I could direct them exactly where to go and what to do. The problem with citizens, us is we don't follow through and we don't, We know, with no disrespect to anybody, we wanna protest, we wanna yell, we wanna do this, but we don't wanna follow what we need to do. And when I say that, I've had people call me and go, my car was broken into the other day, um, should I call the police? Yeah, why wouldn't you? Nothing was taken, nothing was broken. What do you start? A paper trail. Even I, to be fair. When and I, go to court, even when you want to go to court, I tell people all the time, you need some kind of paper trail. It may be nothing. It may be nothing at all, but work them. Like you were saying about their training and giving them incentives, make them earn that
0: paycheck. That's what they're there for. I just thought we'd be on it. Just being honest. I feel like there are, there are a small amount of us who may not, when it comes down to your car broken into or filing a claim or trying to, you know, whatever. I feel like, yes, when it comes to us, we do have an issue with following protocol as far as doing those things that we need to do in order. And when I say in order, I mean, this step comes before this step. And once you do this, now you have to do that. I believe that. And I agree with it. But we are so beyond that when it comes down to lives being like, we're gone. Right. I feel like we are beyond that. And we have a bigger issue. And I feel like that that is the part that so many of us are still beating the streets because we're not even talking about the locality anymore. We're not talking about the state anymore. This is a country issue. It is. This- Get it beyond the states because well, they have their own legislature. It's getting beyond
3: is when things happen small. All I'm saying is
0: let let it show that it's been building up. It now, has been though. Like I'm speaking as a country, we have been we have been starting small since we were in slavery. Like what, what more do we have to do? But everybody's... I'm sorry. That is bullshit. And we have been doing this long enough to get beyond the small things, the steps that we need to take as a people to get to better. I don't. I shouldn't have to fight for my rights to live, for my brother to be okay and safe with my nephew in his car. I shouldn't have to do all of that for them to feel safe when they're being pulled over for a traffic stop. I shouldn't have to worry about my brother being maced because you couldn't see his tag that was clearly hanging in the back of the window. That is Bullshit. I'm sorry. Right. You're and, right. You and, know and what? It's so cr- Go ahead, Derek.
1: I was just going to say, you're right. We shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't
0: have to but, worry about your training.
1: Right, but we should When it comes down to have... my
0: life, I shouldn't have to worry about right. your
1: training. We, we shouldn't. But we know for over 400 years, it's a whole lot of we shouldn't that have been happening to us. Yeah. And well, I think part of it is that for us... We gotta make sure that we hitting all them small points because collectively what we have to do is we show the world know, I feel like now I feel think about like
0: hitting those small points. We are still right. being forgotten. It doesn't right. matter what we do. We have right. done it now, right, think, we have done it wrong. Right. We have served the ball, we have struck right. the ball, we have right. we have thrown the ball every which way, but we can't.
1: Right. Now, now think about this for me. Okay, let's go back for a second to the civil rights movement. Civil rights movement didn't take hold in America. The problem is that we're showing this to the same people that are oppressing us and don't give a damn about us. The civil rights movement in America didn't explode. It didn't take off until they that, that march across the bridge when they beat the hell out of those people and those women and it was broadcast to the world. So I think what we have to do is we have to put our evidence together and present our case to the world. Brother Malcolm wanted to go to the UN and have the UN take out charges on the United States of America. Because he knew that America, if I'm beating the hell out of you, I ain't gonna wanna look at the bruises that I'm giving you. The bruises I'm giving you don't matter because I gave them to you. Mm And I think, you know, I'd say it before and I say it all the time, I think what happened with George Floyd, what happened with this pandemic, it put us in the apex of a new civil rights era for Black people because the world was able to see it. What happens when when something happens and Black Twitter jumps on it? Oh, Black Twitter gets on it. And now the world is able to see that. And what we're going to have to do, in my opinion, we can't keep asking for to change we got we, we got to go to somebody else. and say do you see what's going on? I never understood when people used to talk about like I used to watch a different world and they were talking about divesting from South Africa and doing all of that. I understand now because as a worldview, America is a is gonna be in a rough place. Mm-hmm. With this pandemic that hit America has been put on the forefront even Putin, Said to um, uh, what's the, the Biden? He said, "You're talking about Russia, but your country is known for slavery." So I think what we have to do, even though it seemed like it ain't going nowhere, even though we get frustrated as hell about it, even though we know we've been doing it the right way, we got to still file them reports. We got to still follow through. We got to call that newspaper. We got to blast them on the internet. We got to put them on social media we still got to protest. We still got to go out and march. We got to do all those things, in my opinion, collectively. Mm -hmm. Because if I don't have this evidence to say this is what the hell you've been doing, all I'm doing is sitting up here protesting, marching, and making noise to some people. So what I'm learning through this social media thing, for example, right after the young man was killed by this lady cop, a few days after that, right in Minnesota, there was a white dude in a pickup truck, 61 years old. I saw that. Tried to run over the police officers, mm-hmm. banging his truck into the police officers and all of that. Police officers standing on the side of his truck. The man took off. There's another cop right there with a gun. The officer standing on the truck got a gun. You could have he, easily hopped alive. down and you could have killed this man oh, yeah. with no problem. He's still alive, right? Yeah, he's still alive.
0: He mug shot ain't mad. no, beat, he ain't beat
1: up or he ain't nothing on his mugshot. White picture. people
0: follow the protocol.
1: Huh? They, they, Did, so they...
0: I guess it was a difference between white people following the protocol and us following the protocol because they follow the protocol, their people live through the incidents. Oh yeah. We follow the protocol. We put it on social media. We file the papers. We go global. We have all these activism place, We follow all the protocols. We're still dying. I agree. And
1: that's but I think, I think what that's what's do, so
0: frustrating,
1: right? And we still have to follow our protocols, yep. even though we we know we're still dying. We know it's not changing because at some point we got to say, "Look, we put it. It's right here. We put it all out in front of you. What more do you want?
3: Something so tangible. T- t- right, and right.
1: that's
3: that. And that's what. And I know, Jacqueal, it's it's frustrating because you. It's funny because you sound just like Eric when I was talking to him the other day because he said something. Oh, he was doing a a doctor's bill and I handle most of the bills. They come out bill pay. You know how some people do. And I do that for a trail. Mm. He called right over the phone, gave him the credit card. And I was like, did you get a receipt? Did you get the number? You know, the number that they give you. He was like, no, I just paid it. It's paid off. We we need a confirmation, though. Right. So I said, if somebody called tomorrow and say you didn't do that, Mm -hmm. what would you have to give them? He was like, oh, it's on my credit card, so it'll show up. It does not matter. Protocol, and I get it, and I told him, I said, I know that it's frustrating to go through all these steps, but I do what I do because he had a bill for going through the tunnel, $5,000 $5,000 came here. I know, goodness, well, we ain't gone through the tunnel. $5,000 worth. I checked. I printed it out. I looked at every time. There were like, 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock. We're asleep. I highlighted, I forwarded it, that email, and I told him, protocol. The man called me. He said, send me a letter stating All he needed was a letter stating with both of our signatures stating that it was not us. That's all we needed. But because I sent him that, it was a little bit of protocol. It might not have been much, but I told him sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes that's going to say something. Okay. When I heard the chief say that he did not he was not owed an apology i was like of anything you can't apologize he's not owed that now you you just, on one hand you just say it that your officers did not do what they should have done but he does not get an apology so you admit it On one hand, that they did not do what they were supposed to do, but I'm not going to apologize for that.
0: How does that work? So from uh, from the perspective of following, it's hard for me because it's like, I feel like on so many levels we do and ensuring that we continue to make the change because Again, I I agree with you that change has to start from the bottom up when it comes down to our country and how our systems and judicially how things are built, because they're not built to really protect every person. Although we have all of these amendments that say that, you get what I'm saying? Every state has its own legislature. So I'm with you. And I encourage everybody to continue to do your part because everybody's part is not gonna be social media your part might be filling out the paperwork so yes and don't, and I hope I did not make anybody believe that I'm not that I'm telling you not to follow the paperwork or the protocol it's just frustrating because I feel like on so many levels and so many times how long do we have to continue the protocol because they don't follow the protocol
1: right
0: then right. even and I, I'm, I'm gonna go back and switch out. Was your protocol the gun? Oh, I forgot. You you thought it was your tape. Moving on. I ain't gonna say
3: it no more. But, but you know, let, and let, me say this, let me say this to you, Jaqueline, because you said this earlier, and that's what I wanted to respond to you. When you said, we, how long do we have to do it if they don't do it? It's almost like, not being funny, but it's almost like we tell our kids. Just because Johnny don't do it does that mean you're not supposed to do it? it it's kind of like, like you said, and I know it's frustrating, but when people were calling the department and that was that was the hard thing for me because I would get people that would feel just like you and it would call and say, well, and they would call me in my department and say, well, this officer did this, 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 and this. And I said, well, ma'am, you need to call IA, Internal Affairs, You need to make this report and they would say, and I know, trust me, like I said, I I don't dealt with them on all spectrums. I I don't dealt with IA before. And I would tell her, you need to call Internal Affairs and I would get just what you're saying. They ain't gonna do nothing. Okay, they may not, but you did your due diligence. And that's all I'm saying. Even if nothing's done, you can say, I did this. And and I know that might be frustrating because you're saying, well, why am I gonna do this if they ain't gonna do nothing? Because there may be the off
0: chance. And I'm gonna tell you why. looking for a different route. And And my thing is, and not to, and I don't want anyone to think of this as creating another protest or going to burn down a building because I don't believe that's the answer either. But I think it goes in line with, with some of the things that Derek said is what is, what is going to be our system in dealing with these things now? Because the way that we've been dealing with them has not worked. So mm-hmm. imagine, I'm not saying break any laws. I'm not saying go and beat somebody. I'm not saying go pull out your, your weapon and say it was a BB gun. I'm not saying do any of that. I'm saying create another system and the system has to work for us. I'm not. I'm, I'm through with it working for all, because all is not encompassing Black people. We need a system that works for us. How do we get to that? When do those conversations start to happen? Imagine, I watched a news clipping. Um, it was from Minnesota, the NAACP president of that um the city. Um, um, when the situation happened, I watched that news clip, and she spoke so eloquently and trying to explain to them why we need this type of system or or trying to get them to understand because when you sit at your newscaster desk and say, well, why did you make that statement? What? And when I say for me, that's why she's blessed as the president of the NAACP and not Jaquel, because I need to be on the background helping y'all because when you pull me on, this is how Jaquel's gonna speak because it's a whole lot in my voice. But she spoke so well in trying to, to get her to understand. And she had to call them by name. Wait a minute. She had to call them by name. And that's what I plan to do before we leave off of here. This is why. And and it ain't because they didn't follow the protocol. It wasn't because they were breaking the law. Some of these people are standing in the living room of their own homes. They're in their own vehicles. They're not committing crimes, but they're still being killed. So I'm just Me looking in up. their bed. And the system, our system is not working for Black people. Mm-hmm. We need a system. We need something. And, and, this, I, and I, is not, this is not on a, a city level. It's not on a local level. This is something beyond us. We need an act of God because something is, we we, we, we coming out of here. And I don't want to go biblical, but it's happening. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm.
1: And I think, you know, you made a good point that we need something beyond this system. And like you said, everybody has a part that they got to play in making this new system. And like you said, some people is going to have to be filing that paperwork. And one of the reasons that is so important is because now I'm going to catch you violating your protocol. Because your protocol said it should be this, but the paperwork I have says you did something completely different. And I think, like I said, that system is not something that we have to show to America in a sense. Because, on, and y'all know I love history. Y'all know I talk about it all the time. There's a documentary on HBO called um, Exterminate All the Brutes. Exterminate All the Brutes looks at the world view and world history of colonialism throughout the world the systematic oppression, the systematic things that were done throughout the world by Europeans. That system from then, from the time that we landed on them boats and even before, is still in effect. It is still in effect. The rationale behind what they do is still in effect. For example, my favorite rap of all time, KRS-One, Long, long time ago, he had a, a, a record, an album called Edutainment. And mm. in that album, he talked about everything. He talked about racism. He talked about socialism and all of those things. And one of the things that I love that he talked about that makes sense to me now and so much of what's going on now, he talked about how the overseer of the plantation was the one to enforce the laws of the plantation. He was the one to make sure that the slaves feared trying to do anything other than what they were told on that plantation. And his rationale was that an overseer ain't nothing but an officer now. And in some regards, that's how a lot of these officers who are the problem are. And trust and believe me, I know just like anything else, it's more good officers, more great officers than it is the bad officers. The problem is that these bad officers are protected. The problem is that these bad officers are not held to the fire. The good officers, we just found out why the good officers are afraid to speak up because if I'm saying that you're supposed to have my back and protect my life on these streets because a criminal don't give a damn if he take my life or not. And if I got to worry more about the person riding beside me in a car taking my life than I do a criminal, That's a problem. The problem is that America itself does not, on a broader scale, does not want to take a look in the mirror. I had a debate, a discussion today with somebody about this critical race theory. And I'm like, explain that shit to me. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that word. I'm
0: sorry.
1: (laughs) Explain that to me. What is the problem with critical race theory? And there's this woman who in this one portion group, she always want to post something that is oppositional to anything about uh, cultural understanding. And she said, it's against the Bible, it's things in there that are anti-biblical. I Back. said, so you mean like the things that they pointing are pointing out with critical race theory? Were those things anti-Bible? Were those things anti-Christian? Theory, t-
0: tell us a little bit about that. Just
1: to, critical just race theory. The
0: time, critical know.
1: race critical race theory is something that was developed by a black professor that basically examines racism and laws and things systematic things that mm-hmm. occurred in America that were detrimental to our particular places black people in America. For mm-hmm. example, the wealth gap there's a huge wealth gap in America. It ain't because we broke. Hell, we've been working since we got here. When we got off the boat, (laughs) we started working. right. We were working for free. So it ain't like we don't wanna work, but there were systematic things put in place to stop us from attaining wealth. And it addresses those things, but what it does, it makes people look at all of those things. It points those things out. It brings those things to the forefront And white America does not want to look in that mirror. You know, the Exterminate All the Brutes pointed out that Henry Ford, we all know who Henry Ford is. Everybody get a Ford. I'm driving a Ford right now. We know he's celebrated in America. Henry Ford, one of the greatest business minds in the history of the country. But did you know that Henry Ford was awarded and recognized by the Nazi party during Hitler's reign? Wow. Those are the things that America does not want to examine or does not want to look at and does not want to come up and bring forth the ugly truth. And those are part of the problems as to why we still are in a position we're in as Black people. Because they don't want to examine their own truth. And I can't keep living in fear because you fear that now you got to admit y'all was on some bull. Mm. And, and it's, it's it's crazy that, you know, and I because it's a lot to me, it's, it's a lot deeper than just what we see on the surface. And if we don't, you know, pull them to the fire, because I call them to the to the, you know, front all the time. Come on up here and let's have a conversation about this. Let's talk. But when I talk, I try to give them facts and they run and they hide. And that's the same thing that's going on with this policing in America right now, is that they want to run and they want to hide. They don't want to look bad. I don't, I, you know, my grandfather said that desegregation was the worst thing that happened to Black people. I agree. And I'm looking at it now like, damn, just leave us alone. Yeah. Booker T. Washington, a lot of Black people don't like Booker T. Washington, but if you examine and study Booker T. Washington, he said the same thing. Leave us alone. We'll vote for who you want. We don't even have to vote. That was his thing. Just leave us alone. So it's it's a to me, it's a lot that more that needs to be examined. And it's not on us. It's on them. Uh, I, can, I can see that. Yes. I, and it's on them, but um they need to we we feel that they need to
0: examine it, but they know.
2: They know exactly what was done. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of times you know how your ancestors treated us and we're paying for them treating them bad. Right. You it's almost like, and I always say, if we rose up together, then y'all should be afraid. Then yeah. at that point, you should be very afraid but right now we're not even coming together as a people except for when some type of injustice has happened and you want to riot that's not changing anything We need to unite as a people and it's not even that we're coming to beat the hell out of y'all we're just going to be at a better place and we will be all right in spite of you all. Mm-hmm. So I, know, I feel like y'all y'all penalizing us for what the hell y'all did
1: to our ancestors. Right, right. And that's why I put this Black dollar sign up today because one of the biggest factors in racism is economic. And like you said, see, oh, if, if we collectively move, if we collectively <laughs> say, you know what? I'm taking you to court. You're going to pay for what you did because they don't want to be out of their money.
2: And we need y'all to start doing
1: that. that. You Bingo. see how that, um, the Major B and the basketball,
2: they're starting to hit them. Right. So now y'all gonna start listening because we're right. hitting you in them
1: pockets. Right. Because if you're not gonna listen to me on a level of humanity, that's a problem in itself. Yes. <laughs> but I'm gonna speak your language. And if you want to talk money, let's talk money. You so can be, like I said, is you can that, be racist as hell. But is that
0: getting into the defunding the police?
1: And, and in defunding Mm-mm. how does that affect Mm-mm. Black communities? To, to me, my understanding of defunding the police is that you're not going to decrease uh, the benefits that a police officer gets. You're not going to decrease their salary. What you're going to do is stop them from being militarized. Militarized meaning that you don't see a tank driving down Effingham Street. What the hell we need a tank in Portsmouth for? <laughs> To understand, you want <laughs> to protect your officers, but a damn tank, we are you? See, some, this is what the bro, pictures, huh? not
3: even a tank riding down the street. Oh, and like, <laughs> uh, even if we have a tank in Portsmouth, fine, but when are we using it,
1: right? Not when,
3: not when you got. 20 protesters on high street, you need to bring the tank out for that? Right. It's what they, and, and I can say this, it's what they use the money for. Now, right. like you said, defunding the police, when I first heard it, at first I was like, okay, what, what exactly are you defunding? You know, mm-hmm. where, where exactly are you talking about taking the money from? Now, if you're talking about defunding all this extra stuff, that we don't need then right. fine all these trips to florida for training that we can get here fine that's what we need to be defunding because when everybody says defund the police i think people get the mindset of oh we don't need a we, police department we're not gonna have a police department and that's not that's true. not it right. what you do need to do going back to when we were talking about training and who's being hired I, and I said this before, which of course they don't listen to me, I'm a civilian, but I feel like when people are hired, the training that you get, and I don't know about teachers or how often you have to to research and how that works, but with police officers, when you're trained in the beginning, all that, the, the months that you go through training, that's it. You get every, like maybe every two years, every year, you might go to a class here, go to a class here. No, I used to tell them that same academy you went through, I feel like every four to five years, you need to go back through the academy because the world has changed in four to five years. So the same thing you were trained then has changed. So you need to go back through that whole training again because when you come on the department, most of the people that I've seen come on the department are young, out of high school, I mean out of college or out of high school, they're young-minded, they're gung-ho. So they go through training and they're like, oh, I'm ready. Five years in, they're like, mm, this is what it is. Okay, this is how I'm going to handle it. no. You need to go back through training because this might not be for you and training might kick your butt
2: so that you're out. You see what I'm saying? That is interesting that they don't have to recertify or anything. That is They recertify, but
3: they don't go back through an academy style certification. They take a class here, a class, you get what I'm saying? A class like that to get certifications to recertify what they did in the academy. But I feel like if they go, it's almost like going back through boot camp. If you go back through that camp, you might feel like, you know what, this ain't for me. But if you don't have to redo what you did when you first got there, you like, oh, this is a piece of cake. I, I'm gonna I'm a tweak this to the way it can fit me. And that's not good. Now defunding, yes, if you taking out all these brand new cars, take home. Wow. Because we do need to defund. <laughs> I, I get why certain sergeants or certain units have some take home cars because when things happen and people have to come from home, I get that. But everybody don't need a take home car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right,
0: good people. Um, as you see, this is an ongoing conversation, an ongoing situation. Um, we definitely just need to come on and do a part two. Um, and I think um, once this is aired and people begin to see and watch the dialogue, hopefully it will in, invoke some type of discussion beyond the four of us. And maybe we can do some, yeah, some action broader on social media to possibly do a live so we can have some live input from um, our audience and those um, who listen to us at the table. Um, before we go, I do wanna do two things. I just wanna give reference by just calling their names. Um, and if you guys wanna chime in on any that I missed, please do so. Um, the 13 year old boy, um, Adam Toledo, du- Duan Wright, George Floyd, um, Brianna Taylor. Y'all just. Brianna Taylor. Name them as you go. Mm-hmm. Sandra, Sandra Bland. Sandra Bland. Rashad mm-hmm. Brooks. He was in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh my, you don't oh know my. these names, go Google them, see what happened in their cases, see what can happen to you. Daniel Prue, he was 41 in Rochester, mm-hmm. New York. Take my rice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, her name is Atiana Jefferson. She was 28 in Texas. Mm-hmm. Stefan Clark, 22, out of California. We can go on and on and on. Do your research. See what's happening to your people. I do want to make reference to one thing before we go, um, and I think we've said it multiple times throughout this podcast today. We are not saying that every cop is a bad cop. Not at all. Um, and if I go back to my childhood, just being honest, I lived in one of the worst neighborhoods in Portsmouth, but in that neighborhood i saw for myself cops that were standing and talked to the same person that they knew was dealing drugs in the corner to try to get them to go another way the same cops who knew what was going on who came to the, the youth activities that came out to the game and actually participated and got to know the community so that they could make a real difference in that same community. I'm not saying that every cop is a bad cop, but I am gonna say that every cop that shows their hand at being a bad cop needs to be held accountable. Period. And when I say accountable, I mean in the same in the same way that you will hold someone who was black accountable for that same action. Period. I thank y'all for the dialogue. D. Riddick, our historian. I, I, I have to find an appropriate name for you there. It's, it's <laughs> something grand though. It's coming. Tisha, your your insight and in coming from the law enforcement side and just giving your 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 perspective on what you've seen and what you've learned and how you taught going through your years in law enforcement is invaluable. So I thank you. Cece, you have been an educator for years. So you've seen how it's affected communities. you you've taught in the gutter, in the gutter to raise stars <laughs> so again i thank all of y'all and I, I really think we're gonna have to do a part two because i had to i had to stop the dialogue we in over an over hour
2: so well i just before you go on you thank us i want to thank you for your vision for this um it's a platform it's necessary um when you say real people talking about real things um a lot of times you see the um you know, our superstars that have their um, podcasts. But I think this, if we can get this out to the masses, this is what the Riddick is talking about. So then you have people like, oh, they were talking about this. So now it's more people saying, okay, what can we do to fix this? So we're going to keep on pressing. If I I'll keep coming to the table, I don't, I don't matter. <laughs> I know that. Because oh, uh, it's like we're having a real conversations and the passion is there. So
0: um thank you for your vision. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. This wraps up a seat at the table. I hope that something that we've said has um inspired or will invoke some type of discussion or further dialogue when it comes to um our society and what we're dealing with as a people. Um if you want to be at the table, if you want to have a deeper dialogue, please send us the email at fruitfulambition at gmail.com and we will get you at the table. But until then, next time, y'all.